0: Parker and Catherine, thank you so much for leading us in beautiful worship tonight. We're going to continue our study tonight in the book of Acts. We are still live here from First Baptist Church broadcasting, and I hope you've been following this study over the last several weeks, whether you've been able to worship with us several weeks back or whether you've been studying this passage by radio because it's been an eye-opening passage, a passage that's had a lot of stories that I think shape our lives even today. I hope that your days over this last month of the coronavirus, as it's been filled with new things, have been good days. I know they haven't often felt like good days, but I hope things have gone okay. And in the midst of your zoom meetings or the midst of your tele-teaching or in the midst of just trying to find something to pass the time I hope that through these days that we've been able to stop and we've been able to think that we've also had time to reflect You know, when we entered into this virus just a month ago and we started being called home, I heard many people within our church family say, I hope this is a time that I can grow closer to God. I hope it has been that time for you. I hope it's been a time that you've gone to God and you've reflected on when he first came to know you. When he first entered into your heart and the joy that you had of knowing that I have a father who loves me and who will never leave me. Maybe you've had a time of reflection over the past few weeks of how God has led you or where he may be leading you. What is that next thing that's out there for you, even in the midst of the limitations we have today, what has God, God what does He have planned for you? What does He want you to do? And then I hope you also remembered that each day, no matter how encouraging the day may be, or how weighted down the day may be by the current events. I hope you know that you also have a relationship with a God that never leaves you, that never goes away. As we think about those thoughts of reflection tonight, we find Paul doing much the same thing in this particular portion of the book of Acts. If you'll remember on our journey through Acts, last week we witnessed Paul arrive in Jerusalem. We're told in Acts, chapter 21 verses 17 and 18 that Paul and his traveling companions arrived in Jerusalem and received a warm welcome by the brethren there in the city and the next day they went to see James and the elders of the church during their meeting Paul begins to share about all the things God had been doing among the Gentiles through his ministry Although it's interesting to note, you know, over the past few weeks, we've looked at Paul making all these stops, and he's continuing to take up an offering or a collection to go to Jerusalem and offer this gift, because if you remember, there's a famine going on in Jerusalem at this time, but yet when we get to chapter 21 and his arrival to the city, Paul never, I mean, Luke never says anything else in Acts about that gift, In fact, all we see is a rejoicing by Paul of the work that he's been doing with the Gentiles, and then we see a conversation with the church leaders there in Jerusalem later in chapter 21 about how all the Jews are becoming believers as well. Yet there's a problem. During these many days that the Jewish believers are embracing this new passion, for god there's also word getting around that paul says those laws that they followed were just not quite as important as what the jews thought they ought to be Worried about what might happen to Paul, continuing in verse in chapter twenty-one, the church leaders advise him to dispel any misrepresentations by publicly submitting himself to the to the law. The elders of the church even tell Paul, what you need to do is to go and purify yourself. And we actually have four men we know of right now who are taking part in a Nazarite vow. Now, we heard about those Nazarite vows uh, a few weeks back, and they're continuing to go on there in Jerusalem. And so the church leaders think if Paul is seen participating in those Nazarite vows, that there will be a whole new perception of what he's doing by verses 27 and following some of the Jews from Asia see Paul in the temple but yet it doesn't go good there they begin accusing him already of false charges it seems that they had seen Paul walking through the town earlier with Trophimus you remember Trophimus he was a prominent Gentile from Ephesus and he did a lot of traveling with Paul and Of course, the Jews, being the ones who are very leery of what Paul was teaching, began to already make up stories. I bet Paul took Trophimus into the inner portions of the temple and showed him around, which was, of course, against the law of the Jews that time. Well, the city is provoked, as it tells us in Scripture, with the rioters beginning to beat Paul with the intent of killing him. This incident, of course, um, gets worse among the Jews until finally the Romans have to become involved. Someone goes to find the Roman commander and the Roman centurions, and by the time they arrive, Paul is being beaten to a pulp. So the Roman commander intervenes. And that's where I want to pick up tonight. Look in chapter 21, verse 37, and read along with me here. As Paul was about to be brought into the barracks, he said to the commander, "'May I say something to you?' And the commander said, "'Do you know Greek?' "'Then you are not the Egyptian who some time time ago stirred up a revolt "'and led the 4,000 men of the assassins into the wilderness.'" But Paul said, I am a Jew of Tarsus, of Cilicia, a citizen of no insignificant city, and I beg you, allow me to speak to the people. In these verses, we find at this point that Paul's not only going to have to explain himself to the temple crowd, but he's also going to have to give some explanation to the Roman commander as well. So Paul asks the commander, may I say something to you? And upon hearing Paul's request, the commander is surprised immediately to learn that Paul is fluent in Greek. In fact, we are told that the Roman commander had actually assumed Paul was an Egyptian, whom according to Josephus, if you read his writings, tried to lead a revolt about this time against Rome by taking about 4,000 to the Mount of Olives and promising God's intervention. Well, ultimately, the Roman governor Felix, with much loss of life, aborted the revolt. But in the end, the Egyptian organizer had escaped. Then Paul goes on to tell the commander who he was and where he was from, and all the while, begging for permission to speak to the people there at the temple. As we come to the end of chapter 21, the final verse reads like this. When he had given him permission, Paul, standing on the stairs, motioned to the people with his hand. And when there was a great hush, he spoke to them in Hebrew dialect, saying. And then we move to chapter 22. Brethren and fathers, hear my defense, which I now offer to you, and when they heard that he was addressing them in the hebrew dialect they became even more quiet and he said i am a jew born in tarsus of cilicia but brought up in this city educated under gamaliel strictly according to the law of our fathers being zealous for god just as you all are today i persecuted this movement called the Way to the death, binding and putting both men and women into prisons, as also the high priest and all the council of the elders can testify. In verse forty, we find, or in, in verse forty of chapter twenty-one, we find that Paul is first of all given permission to address the crowd, as he secures their attention using the very dialect of the people he is speaking to, Paul aims his speech at establishing his full commitment to Judaism since he had already failed at accomplishing his goal through his participation in the Nazarite vow. As chapter 22 begins, so does Paul's speech with his initial words being brethren and fathers. Now hold it right there. We've already heard someone else in the book of Acts begin their speech with brothers and fathers. If you turn back to Acts chapter 7 verse 2, we notice Stephen begins his message that way to a very similar audience. I have to think that our writer Luke has recorded these very words to show that things have now come full circle with Paul arguing in defense of the gospel just as Stephen had done earlier in Acts. Then as the crowd listens, we find they become even more attentive when Paul says in verse 3 that he is a Jew. In fact, he goes all the way back to where he started there in Tarsus, which was the capital city of the Roman province of Cilicia and one of the largest centers of both trade and learning on the Mediterranean coast. As Paul had said before back in verse 39, Tarsus was no insignificant city. Next, his family must have moved while Paul was quite young because Paul shares that he was raised here in Jerusalem, the holy city itself. And if that was not enough, he was then educated at the very feet of Gamaliel, whom as we know was a highly educated teacher and Pharisee who was zealous for the law of God. So as Paul begins, Luke reminds us where Paul was born, Paul was reared, and Paul was educated, which is now, which was probably in the way Luke wrote, a biologi- uh, biographical formula common to Greek writings. Once Paul had shared his excellent Jewish credentials, he began his description of his former days as a prosecutor of the Christian movement called The Way, including his explanation of his intent to imprison or even put to death Christian men and women. In fact, Paul goes on to add that even the high priest and the council of elders could testify His claim for his former zeal of persecuting the way. And then picking up in the second part of verse 5, listen to what Paul says here. From them I also received letters to the brethren and started off for Damascus in order to bring even those who were there to Jerusalem as prisoners to be punished. But it happened that as I was on my way approaching Damascus about noontime, a very bright light suddenly flashed from heaven all around me. And I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And I answered, who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus the Nazarene, whom you are persecuting. And those who were with me saw the light to be sure, but did not understand the voice of the one who was speaking to me. And I said, What shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said to me, Get up and go into Damascus, and there you will be told of all that has been appointed for you to do. But since I could not see because of the brightness of that light, I was led by the hand by those who were with me. And came into Damascus a certain Ananias a man who was devout by the standard of the law and well spoken of all the Jews who lived there came to me and standing near to me brother Saul receive your sight he said At that very time, I looked at him, and he said, The God of our fathers has appointed you to know his will and to see the righteous one and to hear an utterance from his mouth, for you will be a witness for him to all men of what you have seen and heard. Now why do you delay? Get up and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. At this point, Paul's told us his testimony, hasn't he? He's told us his testimony of his encounter with Christ on the Damascus Road. And as a matter of fact, this will be the second of three times that we will hear Paul's testimony in the book of Acts. The other two accounts being the one we've already looked at in chapter 9, which was the initial event that took place. And Paul will again share this account in chapter 26... But now, there's something different about this testimony that Luke hasn't told us about in chapter 9. Look at verse 17. It happened when I returned, again this is Paul talking, to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple, that I fell into a trance. And I saw him saying to me, make haste and get out of Jerusalem quickly, because they will not accept your testimony about me. And I said... Lord, they themselves understand that in one synagogue after another, I used to imprison and beat those who believe in you. And when the blood of your witness Stephen was being shed, I also was standing by approving and watching out for the coats of those who were slaying him. And he said to me, go, for I will send you far away to the Gentiles." Now, we've already noted that Paul's account of his testimony was basically the same account that Luke had recorded in chapter 9, verses 1 through 19. However, when we get to verse 17, here in chapter 22, Paul goes on to add another portion to this story. He adds that Paul returned to Jerusalem. Paul went back after he had received Christ And this was the next portion of his testimony. He found God there at the temple. And he found him by falling into a trance, and the Lord told him, Paul, this is what I want you to do. I want you to leave this place and take your message to the Gentiles. Now, we've already begun to see a lot of parallels with Paul in Jerusalem to the risen Christ, haven't we? Jesus entered into Jerusalem on a a, a large fanfare, greeted by all, and by the time he went to the cross, he was hated by the crowd, and we've seen that happen to Paul. But we also, in this portion of Paul's story here in Jerusalem, see some similarities to Isaiah the prophet. If you will, for just a moment, turn back with me to the Old Testament, if you have your Bibles, to Isaiah chapter 6. In Isaiah chapter 6, let's look at a few verses there of what God said to Isaiah. It said, in the king, it said in the year of King Uzziah's death, this is verse 1 of chapter 6, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted, with the train of his robe filling the temple. Seraphim stood above him, each having six wings, with two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet and with two he flew and one called out to another and said holy 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 is the Lord of hosts the whole earth is full of his glory and skipping to verse six then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal in his hand which he had taken from the altar with tongs he touched my mouth with it and said behold this has touched your lips and your iniquity is taken away and your sin is forgiven then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I, send me. What we see in this passage is a similar call to Isaiah. Isaiah. Both him and Paul have made their way to the temple in Jerusalem. They have seen a vision by God, yet Isaiah is told to stay there and preach to the people of Jerusalem while Paul is saying, while God is telling Paul, go and take your gospel to the Gentiles. In fact, he tells us in that portion of scripture in verse 21, go for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. Then in verses 20 through 29, they listened to him. Uh, they listened to him up to this statement. And then they raised their voices and said, Away with such a fellow from the earth, for he should not be allowed to live. And as they were crying out and throwing off their cloaks and tossing dust into the air, the commander ordered him to be brought into the barracks, stating that he should be examined by scourging, so that he might find out the reason why they were shouting against him that way. But when they stretched him out with thongs, Paul said to the centurion who was standing by, Is it lawful for you to scourge a man who is a Roman and uncondemned? When the centurion heard this, he went to the commander and told him, saying, What are you about to do, for this man is a Roman? The commander came and said to him, Tell me, are you a Roman? And he said, yes. The commander answered, I acquired this citizenship with a large sum of money. And Paul said, but I was actually born a citizen. Therefore, those who were about to examine him immediately let go of him. And the commander also was afraid when he found out he was a Roman because he had put him in chains. Now, after reading this passage, you'll remember that when Paul began to speak to the crowd, we are told a great hush came over them. And then as the crowd listened to Paul and what he had to say, that he was this Jew from Tarsus, which was an important city, and he had come to Jerusalem, and he had been raised there in the temple, and he had been taught by the leading uh, supporter of the, the law, being Gamaliel, there was a complete hush over the crowd. Yet when Paul said the word Gentile, here comes the crowd again. Isn't that like all of us, even today? When we hear something that comforts our ears, aren't we quick to be quiet and say, Tell me more? But yet when we hear something we don't agree with, aren't we quick to shout those same things the crowd were shouting? away with him take him away I don't want to hear it anymore that was the situation Paul was facing at that moment and when he begins to speak about his witness to the Jews almost immediately the crowd turns on him to the point that this time they add that such a scoundrel as Paul had no right to even exist In fact, the crowd becomes so hostile that it's no longer safe for Paul, so the Roman commander quickly orders him to be taken to the barracks, having no indication of why the crowd is so upset. Well, Paul's address had clarified nothing for the Roman commander, particularly since his address to the people was in Aramaic. Therefore, the commander decided to use the standard Roman interrogation. He said, I'll get to the bottom of this, tie him up and treat him as a slave or a common local and whip him, take him and flog him. Yet Paul was not about to undergo such unnecessary treatment. And so as the Roman centurion stretched Paul out with the intent to beat him, Paul once again has another question To spare his faith. In verse 25 Paul says. Is it illegal for you to scourge a man. Who is a Roman citizen. And hasn't even been found guilty. Upon hearing the question. The centurion stops in his tracks. Because he knows. He'll be making a big mistake. He takes the matter back to the Roman commander, and by now the Roman commander, didn't you just see him? He's about to pull his hair out. This guy is messing up everything. He's causing such a stir, and now they want me back down there. What is it now? Can you tell me what he's done? Well, sir, he tells me he's a Roman citizen. He's what? A Roman citizen. So the commander heads back to Paul. Now, keep in mind, the commander's already been mistaking Paul for an Egyptian uh, revolutionary. He's also learned that Paul was a Jew and a citizen in the important city of Tarsus, as well as a, a, a man who spoke Polish Greek, and now he's discovered that Paul's a Roman citizen? And to top that off, the commander says, well... How much did you pay to become a Roman citizen? I paid a whole lot. And Paul says, you don't understand. I was born a Roman citizen. Wow. What a dilemma for the Roman commander. Then as we move to the last portion of this passage that we look at tonight, look at these verses. But on the next day, wishing to know for certain why he had been accused by the Jews, we find out here that the commander, still perplexed. He releases him, being Paul, and ordered the chief priests and all the council to assemble and brought Paul down and set him before them. Paul, looking intently to, at the council, said, Brethren, I have lived my life a perfectly good, with a perfectly good conscience before God up to this day. The high priest Ananias commanded those standing beside him to strike him on the mouth. Then Paul said to him, God is going to strike you, you whitewashed wall. Do you sit, do you sit to try me according to the law and in violation of the law order me to be struck? But the bystander said, do you revile God's high priest? And Paul said, I was not aware, brethren that he was high priest for it is written you shall not speak evil of a ruler of your people but perceiving that the one group were Sadducees and the other were Pharisees Paul began crying out in the council brethren I am a Pharisee a son of the Pharisees I am on trial for the hope and resurrection of the dead As he said this, there occurred a dissension between the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and the assembly was divided. For the Sadducees say that there is no resurrection, nor an angel, nor a spirit, but the Pharisees acknowledge them all. And there occurred a great uproar and some of the scribes of the Pharisaic party stood up and began to argue heatedly, saying, we find nothing wrong with this man. Suppose a spirit or an angel has spoken to him. And as a great dissension was developing, the commander was afraid Paul would be torn to pieces by them and ordered the troops to go down and take him away from them by force and bring him into the barracks. But on the night immediately following, the Lord stood at his side and said, Take courage, for as you have solemnly witnessed to my cause at Jerusalem, so you must witness at Rome also. As verse 30 tells us the next morning, the Roman commander is puzzled. He cannot figure out the charges against Paul. He just can't can't imagine why... This group of people cannot accept Paul for who he is. And so he throws up his hands and says, I can do nothing. Now, who does that remind you of going back to Jesus' journey to the cross? Paul, or, or the Roman commander, throws up his hands and he says, I know what I'll do. I'll send him to the Sanhedrin. They can figure out what the problem is, and I will put... Paul before them and so it tells us that he actually releases him which what that word means there is just he turns them over to the Jews to the Sanhedrin to meet. well Paul's only testimony when he comes in is that I've lived my life perfectly with a good conscience before God up to this day I've done my very best Yet upon hearing Paul, the high priest named Ananias, who was very proud and who was a very proud and cruel Sadducean leader, responds by having Paul struck in the face. Now think about that. When Paul had come to know Christ and he had seen the light on the Damascus road and was headed on into Damascus for comfort, who was the person named to take care of him there? But Ananias, now we meet another Ananias, a different Ananias, Ananias who is the total opposite. And instead of embracing Paul's testimony, this Ananias tells them to strike Paul in the face. Well, Paul, as human as the rest of us, he doesn't turn the other cheek, but instead responds directly back to Ananias by saying God will strike you down you whitewashed wall interestingly enough those are prophetic words if you continue to study the life of this particular Ananias in not 10 years down the road he would be killed at the hands of Jewish rebels but at this point he's been struck down by Paul's words Calling him hypocritical and telling him that according to the law, he had done nothing wrong. In verse 4, we see that the bystanders correct Paul as well. They reprimand him and Paul says, I wasn't aware that this man was the high priest. Apparently, we see from reading those words that Paul has been gone so long, either the leadership has changed or something is different about the setting because it's not the same thing that Paul had come to expect from the Sanhedrin. And so he apologizes and says, I was not aware, brethren, that he was the high priest. For it is written, you shall not speak evil of a ruler of your people. Well, as this kangaroo court goes on, it's perceived by one group that the Sadducees see Paul as someone who is dividing them, while the Pharisees are actually beginning to come around. In fact, as you study this more and more, you see that what the Pharisees believed was very close to what Paul was trying to teach, that indeed, Paul had a point, that he was embracing something very special. But the main thing that we need to pull from this entire meeting is the fact that what they were arguing over was indeed the resurrection. Was indeed what the resurrection meant In Paul's life how had it changed him how had it made him better with this statement of the resurrection a violent discussion ensues Luke has told us how the two sides of me and as we read along we know that the Sanhedrin largely consisted of high priestly aristocracy and the ruling elders while the Pharisees were in the minority and were represented among the scribes. Luke goes on to tell us that the Sadducees had had concept that the Sadducees had rejected concepts of, of resurrection, angels and spirits, while the Pharisees believed them in, in them all. The Sadducees' rejection of, of the resurrection is well attested. And the Sadducees only accepted the books of the law and Scripture as they saw them with no reference to the resurrection. Finally, in verses 10 and 11, we find that there was such dissension developing among the Pharisees and the Sadducees that once again the the Roman commander has to remove Paul. But yet look at the very last verse we read. But on that night, immediately following the Lord, stood at his side. You see, in these words we have looked at, Paul recalls three visions. He's recalled the vision of the Lord coming to him and say, I want you, I want to change your life, to do something different. Paul has also seen a vision through the passage that we have looked at, of finding direction from God. Take the good news to the Gentiles. And now Paul has found those words of encouragement from God as well. You know, God has those same plans for us. And as we read this passage tonight, I hope you will remember that God wants to know you. That God has a direction for you to go. And most of all, no matter the circumstances, God is with you. Let us pray. Father God, as we follow Paul through very difficult times, we're reminded of your presence. God, you call us to serve you, and you, Father, when you call us, you tell us it will not be easy but it will be worth it, and it will change your life. God, if we draw closer to you, Father, it's hard not to talk to you day in and day out that we don't find you directing our lives and placing someone in front of us that, Father, needs to know who you are. God, help us to continue to seek you today. And God, in the midst of these uncertain days... Father, thank you that you never leave us nor forsake us. God, continue to reveal your presence to encourage us just as you encouraged Paul. For it's in your name we pray. Amen.